Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You're listening to 93XRT. I'm Lynn Bramer. And here in the middle of the day, we welcome some of our favorite musicians. They're going to be here in the summertime in August. August 15th. The New York Dolls are here? The New York Dolls. David Johansson and the New York Dolls. They're going to mix it up with Christian Rich Robinson of the Black Rose, who actually are here. Oh, it's us. It's you guys. I know you're looking forward to, uh, you know, personality crisis, a little New York Dolls action. Trash. Pick it up. (laughs) Well, I I don't think you guys have ever... uh, uh, Embrace the sartorial splendor of the New York Dolls at any time in the Black Rose career, have no, you? No, but that doesn't mean we didn't embrace the love of early, <clears throat> you know, the roots of la punk. Uh, uh, la New York punk? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of it. Johnny Thunders, Outside the Dolls, Television, Suicide, all those cool groups. Tom Verlaine. Yeah, amazing. Tom Verlaine. You know, here you had... A style of music where it was short and fast, and Tom Verlaine comes along, and he's doing these meandering eight-minute guitar solos that just blow your mind. They ran out of Coke, and they only had snack, <laughs> and uh, they had to do something. Well, the last time Chris was on WXRT being interviewed, it was 28 years ago, Ooh. and I remember thinking at the time, God, I'm getting old. Getting kind of old for this stuff. I don't know how long this is going to last. But I remember you were great. You you were really into it. I was wondering if over the last 28 years you've become more circumspect, quieter, uh, receded from uh, the limelight a little bit. Because you were very talkative back then. Yeah, I mean, I I just also, after something like that, just didn't talk very much. <laughs> I mean, to uh, do interviews and things. I mean, right. we did, but... Um you know, I found it, you know, after a while, it's like, and and you know how it could be. Sometimes you would do an interview and like the guys, you know, not listening to, I could have been saying anything, you know what I mean? About anything. And he's so busy, like queuing up his like local fried chicken restaurant commercial that he's not listening. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. That's, that's the classic Harry Shearer scene where he's uh, in a movie stacking carts uh, they, while Spinal it's Tap. It's also, if you ever have seen Journey Through the Past, the Neil Young movie, they take him to a radio station and and he's like looking at it's the same thing. The guy's like, oh, it's Neil Young, you know. And then he's like, yeah, whatever. And the guy's like goofing around. It's like, um, it's Neil, dude. You know, you better pay attention. Dude. Let me ask you a question. How do you have Neil Young in your studio and you're distracted by anything else? 
Um, I don't know. I imagine that guy was just always a fool. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, who were you know? Everyone knows Neil Young, and no one would remember who that guy was, right. except his kids, maybe, and his you know his, his ex wives. Well, it sounds like uh, you guys are doing a few of these acoustic uh, shows across the country, yeah. um, and you're you're back together again. Now, I I grew up with a couple of brothers, and you know I think I can say freely that uh, my brothers can be a pain in the ass, but in the end, but not you. <laughs> no, it's never me. <laughs> yeah, of course. it's those guys. But in the end, they're your brothers, and uh, you're better off with them than without them. And here you guys are back together again. Uh, Rich, let me ask you this: When people said to you, and as I'm, I'm sure they did, you guys got to work it out. You guys got to get back together again. Was that the sort of thing that would make make you think, now, back off, or were you more, huh, maybe that's not a bad idea? I mean, for the last seven years since we split up, every year someone said that, and there was offers on the table, a lot of money, and a lot of and. But, you know, we weren't interested. We weren't, it wasn't the right time. and It wasn't what our motivation was, you know. We were out on our own paths, and it was something that both he and Chris and I needed to do and follow through in order to, and we didn't do it for this purpose. But the fact that we both went on this path in our own separate ways, I think, allowed us to come back to this with, with the perspectives that we have to make it work and to make it cool and, and actually to to shift it to where it needs to be, to where there's a tremendous amount of gratitude that we have for what we accomplished together, for our relationship as brothers, and moving forward into the age of Aquarius. Uh, <laughs> the real age of the Aquarius. Real. Well, it also has to be gratifying <laughs> to, uh, to put the band back together. And it's not like you're starting from ground zero. You no, come no. back to Chicago and you're going to be... be Playing to twenty, thirty thousand people. Well, I mean, the, I think the other funny thing is that you know how again how money blinds people. You could you know the same thing if, if knowing you know people who had been involved with Rich and I together uh, apart, we're never going to do anything anyone is going to you know we're. Gonna, <laughs> I mean, it's just. But by the way, not it's not out of being difficult or anything. It's out of the sheer. Uh, reality that being two creative people, we've lived our lives in an artistic construct for many, many years, and let everyone else do what they're told. You know, I mean, I, I don't. I, again, it's not about you know when we're younger. You're you're right. Like you know, I can march in here in 1992, and you know, I'm fired up about. And I'm, but the the thing is, I'm still fired up about art. I'm still fired up about music, about what the ideas of rock and roll. It's different in, at 53 than it was at 20, whatever. But, you know, inevitably, you know, Rich and I have been, these are the first times Rich and I in 30 years have sat down together and done interviews. You know, the really? Things, yeah, we never, very early, early 1990, they would attempt to put us in a thing. But then once, you know, we had a few whatever, like, you you know, whatever, then it would be like, okay, well, then that's it forever. Never put them <laughs> in the room together. And that's the way it is till the, till the end of time and dinosaurs come back or whatever, you know. And... So, you know, I hate to sound cliche, but this idea of full circle is is real. And our, like Rich said, our lives apart, you know, not speaking to each other, you know, 
Rich is going through his things, you know, the good things, the bad things, his family, his kids. I'm going through things, you know, kids and just life, putting together another band. You know, we're both on separate trajectories away from each other. But without that, you know, like I had to do that for my mental and physical well-being. It has nothing to do with Rich. My, Rich and I, or my love or how proud I am of the Black Crows, but at that time, I, if I didn't do that, I was going to go crazy. Well, it, it seemed as though, looking over your history, that you guys were kind of nonstop for a decade, right? You, you didn't let up. It was touring, recording, touring, recording, and I think that, that takes its toll on anybody. Yeah, yeah, first 11 years, solid, without stopping. Every year we were doing, and sometimes doing both, you know, making a record in the middle of a tour, making the record in the middle of a lawsuit, making the record. In the middle of know, a tour and a lawsuit. And a lawsuit. And you know, a... It was like... So you were talking about the, the natural inclination to push back as a creative soul when somebody says, oh, that's not part of your creativity. And you're going, yeah, well, I think it is. Have you ever gotten a push from either a manager or a record company where it actually was something that you could embrace or do you feel like not person i mean me personally again as like the leader of the black crows and rich and i put that band together when we were kids i mean that was the you know and rich could tell you too my whole point especially um with the record company was always like, okay, I, I'll, I will listen to your point of view uh -huh. or your perspective, but you have a roster of 150 bands or whatever. We have one band, you know, this is our band. And have we taken some lumps along the way? Definitely. But I'd rather take those lumps ourselves. If you, if some, if, if you listen to someone else and it fails, the, then you, to me, that's, that's foolish. If we fail, then that's a, something to learn from. You know what I mean? And as long as your convictions are true in terms of what your creative output is, all the other stuff is like, hey, you know, you know, Rich has said it too. Growing up, you know, we have our family dynamic, and that goes back a long time. Then we have our creative dynamic, and then we have a business dynamic. And, you know, that's a lot for anyone. And... I don't think we were ever contrived or cool enough or clever enough to keep all those things <laughs> under wraps. It was all kind of just always bubbling up. And, but that was, you know, after a while too, that becomes what, what people can, can, how they can control you behind the scenes too. You know, oh, well, it's always like this. And instead of stopping and looking, you know, dismantling some things or, you know, again, but communication I, is yeah. like the whole thing and having the, whole, the time the whole thing shifted when the ego of the people coming into these record companies and managers right. and had the the ego shift where it was all about them and you know well, they people, wanted to, they well, wanted well, to people, put their stamp they never took a lesson yeah but they they're not musicians you know right. they could either go work for ibm or work for you know sony music and they're the ones telling you how to write your songs because, well, if you do this, if you dumb this down, if you keep doing this, and, and that's, uh, that's such a flawed yeah, the, the whole system, you gotta... and you wonder why there's not a ton of great music out there in, in, in the wilderness of you know, pop music and all of these things. Well, because it's so insincere. It's so sales-driven. It's so product-driven. Instead of and it, what music is and what art is is an expression of the artist. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, you know, I've had my experience and my 
place on this earth is to be able to take my experience and put it into my music and that sh- maybe will you know set fire to someone's yeah, you know meninges in there in there and like oh wow i can connect to that and maybe that'll send someone somewhere else and so on and so on and it's not about like dumbing it down and 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 ironing it out you know what i mean i i have never seen any aspect of our lives where dumbing it down turned out to be a good idea exactly maybe that's my prejudice looking at uh, the way music or art or cuisine or anything is agreed agreed don't dumb it down and what i've realized over the years watching bands no matter what band it is the band that pursues what its vision is is the band that's going to be happiest rather than pursuing somebody else's vision or somebody else's idea of what they I should mean, you've be you've seen it you know what i mean like bands like they're always you know band gets to a certain level or they have what whatever we all go through uh to keep you know to survive in the music business you know we play music but then you have to survive the music business and the second you know i mean are you kidding man you know or the amount of record companies we were on from like the mid 90s to whatever like listen we want to bring in some songwriting ringers you know (laughs) you'll never have a hit song without them and i'm like guess what then i don't need a hit song you know what i mean like by the way and then you tell someone then they look at you like you don't want a top 10 pop song i'm like uh no you know, i don't want a Robin- bone, i don't want a bone spur in my foot either you well, know what, what the robinson like- brothers signed up for we're talking with chris and rich robinson of the black crows they're here august 15th at the uh, hollywood casino amphitheater tonight they're playing a very special show acoustic show you've been doing a few of these at lincoln hall how, how do you like just doing a Cut down just the two of you on stage. Well, don't ask the people in Philadelphia because <laughs> they got an earful because we had an earful. You know what? It's been amazing. Uh, something, you know, Rich and I have done some acoustic things before, but when we when we did it in 2006, I was playing guitar and we were, you know, again in corporate. The whole, this whole project's been really amazing for so many reasons. And one of the main reasons was that, you know, the, the idea... <laughs> of what we're focusing on is this Shake Your Money Maker. For, right. the, for the, I mean, we're playing other stuff tonight, of course. It's different. It's just me and Rich, one guitar, one singer. And we'll play some things in our, you know, some different things. But the idea, and this is, you know, even before Rich and I started really talking and communicating, the idea of like, oh, well, we, you know, and we've been, you know, listening to all this live music from 1990 for this box set, the Shake Your Money Maker thing that's going to come out later. We never played Shaker Bunny Maker in its entirety when it came out. We definitely never played it in its sequence. <laughs> you know, we were already on, you know, there was an eight, nine month period between making that record and it being released. And within that time, we're writing new songs. Yeah, it was a quick turnaround. Covered. Well, to us, that was an eternity. When you're a teenager, I mean, that was nice. Between the first yeah. and second album? No, was no, between, between making the first making record and it coming out and being on, on tour was about eight or yeah. nine months. So we were. We, you know, we kept playing, you know, we were still Mr. Crow's Garden, you know what I mean? We hadn't even changed the name. So part of the idea to, you know, to come back to this record and to focus on it and to to play it and, and not to be jamming, not to be expanding our sound, not to be focusing on 
where we're going or what's happening next or how can we make this different, you know, to do, to, to put all our energy into, and trust me, we, we know, you know, we've lost a lot of fans. We've gained a lot of fans. They come, they go. But one thing I think that people who love the black crows have always, they've always just wanted to just play the songs, man. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, cool. I, I have, you can ask Rich the same question. There's no regrets. I mean, I, the worst day we ever had, the worst, hungover drug addled like juvenile fight or whatever no. the worst of i would do it again in a second because that's the way it's supposed to lay itself out in front of you you don't there's no rule book to this you know what i mean um i mean the only rule that we really had was like part of the role of the artist is to be defiant in his own cultural place you know yes you want to create something beautiful there's a baroque aspect about it you want to create something soulful something meaningful i mean the only real goal we ever had was especially with shake your money maker at the first we didn't know we would get a chance to make a second album i mean that's the facts you don't know none of it's guaranteed so we were like look if we have this opportunity our record store is going to be in the same record store with the rolling stones and john coltrane and bo diddley and the sex pistols or whatever right so you really just have that you know the, we want these songs to live you know they should live past whatever the band is or was or could be and that's always you know and george deculius who produced our first two records and signed the band he instilled a lot of that in us you know it's uh you know i i guess so many people call it a landmark album but looking back on it you really have to feel like you you somehow captured lightning in a bottle with a debut album with that kind of majesty and that kind of endurance uh, I mean, it's it's one of the, the great rock and roll debut albums. It also just threw a wrench into the works It also being so commercially successful. Which, <laughs> you know, I mean, the reality is we were hardly the type of, you know, we were just in the other room, like, when your heroes are the, the replacements, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, then we come from an indie rock background, you know? I mean, the reality is the 80s in Atlanta, you know, we were you know bucket full of brains fanzine and the irs is cutting edge we didn't watch mtv we weren't into this we weren't into that we were into this scene it's a really heavy dose of punk rock uh early 80s american hardcore uh, Just any the of the added, athens the athens, athens i mean rem we say it all the time there's no there's no way we're even beginning to put any ideas together about being a band philosophically um the esoteric nature of what it might be without REM 60 miles up the road. Interesting. And, and you know, oh, Pete Buck plays a Rickenbacker. Roger McGuinn played a Rickenbacker. He, they did Bob Dylan songs. You know what I mean? It all, right. like, in, in my dyslexic, like, world, it all had to make some sort of random sense about putting things together. So that this band full of people that that being commercial was the last thing on our minds and we're making you know roots based i mean we laugh about it shake your money maker great rock and roll songs but we're the, a rock band with an otis redding track seeing things for the first time is basically a stacks ballad i mean there wasn't a lot of that going on in in rock and our influences you know again from embracing that early 70s stone sound and the faces to even have my name mentioned with people like Steve Marriott right. or Paul Rogers or the Terry Reed or Jimmy uh, Rod I mean, Stewart, Frankie Miller, Rod Stewart, you know, we, we weren't, we, it's not like we were sitting around that stuff just kind of all coalesced into one 
you know, willy bully. <laughs> okay, I just did what I made fun of a little while ago because I realized that we have to take a quick break. So I turned away from you for just a second. My apologies. But we're going to take a quick break, and then uh, we're going to have Rich pick up his guitar, have you guys play a song, and then I want you to go wherever you need to go and put your game faces on for tonight. How does that sound? <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 